Good afternoon from Southeast Asia. This will be episode or volume number nine of the Southeast Asia Chronicle podcast thingy deal things designed to answer a couple of questions, two or three. First one is, do you want to come to Southeast Asia? Lots of people do. Interesting place. I don't know of any place on earth more fascinating than Southeast Asia. Hmm, interesting. I don't, I can't think of one. Alaska, maybe. In a completely different way. Okay, if you do, if you think you want to come here, um, how are you going to do it? <laughs> you got money? Can you quit your job? Can you kick the little woman to the curb? Oh, yeah, we can, we can, we can. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember, there was a movie ages ago, ages and ages. It was, it might have been black and white. The hell was it? It was about some guy who got accused of killing his wife. It was a famous guy. What the hell is his name? It was a great movie. Anyway, this guy, middle-aged, normal guy, got accused of killing his wife. And, um... She was gone. They couldn't find her, nobody. And they charged him, took him to court for murder, I guess. <laughs> and uh, it was a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek thing. And they went through the trial, and the jury was kind of, yeah, God, we don't know. There's no body, you know, but it kind of looks like he did it. And you want to look back and forth like that. And then finally, at the end, I think it was his attorney, he gets up and he says, you know, looking at the jury, and he says, I want you to imagine this. All you got, the jury was like all guys or something. And he says, I want you to think about this. Let's pretend, just for a minute, that right in front of you, there's a big button on a board. And if you push that button, nothing bad's going to happen to you at all. But your wife is going to go, Ooh. gone, evaporated. No pain, no nothing. She'll go someplace where she's happy. We don't know. She's gone. She's into the corn, okay? She's gone. How many of you guys would push it. <laughs> These guys all sat there. I looked around at each other for a second and they thought and they got little stupid looking grins on their faces and every single one of them reached up and went click. <laughs> okay. It was a comedy movie, okay, but um, you know, if it was that easy. <laughs> well, it kind of sort of is. If you have income that's independent from your wife, I, I, I'm not, you know, come on now. Come on. Come, the, wives are, the wives are getting out their knives and they're sharpening their fingernails. And um, I'm not promoting dumping wifey, you know. I'm just saying you can if you want to. <laughs> How many guys do I know who... If they could push that button, how many guys would or wouldn't? 
I think 80% would. I know 20% of guys that I know, they're somewhat happy. They would probably say, no, I'll just stick it out, see what happens, you know, see if she straightens up, you know. <laughs> well, she ain't got no paisano. That's one thing I've learned in my long, 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 long life with 10,000 freaking girlfriends. What you see is what you get. What you got after 90 days, that's what you got. That's all there is. There ain't no more. It's not going to get any better ever. Probably. One in a billion, maybe. But probably not. Okay. So, do you want to come to Southeast Asia? If you do, how are you going to do it? You got to leave the wifey? You going to push that button? <laughs> and the wives are sitting over on the couch as you're listening to this. If you're, if you're not through headphones, you're listening to this. Turn that son of a bitch off. He's a fucking asshole. Turn it off. Oh, he's, he's a fucking devil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe I am. I don't fucking care. I'm old enough. I do not care. In fact, I rather enjoy it. <laughs> oh, this is a fun one, isn't it? <laughs> Okay. Um, you got money. That's independent from your wife. But, okay. Let, let's say. Let's say you got some money. You got some kind of income. You got some kind of pension. That if you <laughs> if you vanish, um, your wife's gonna divorce you. You know. And if she's going to get some sleazebag goddamn attorney um, who's going to do his very best to take you to the cleaners, even in absentia. <laughs> if, you're, if you're positive, your money can't be touched. What the fuck? Give him the house. Give him the fucking 2.3 cars and the 3.4 kids and the <laughs> fucking mangy little dog. And the 1.4 cats. <laughs> you know, just, here you go, honey. I, I had, somebody close to me did that. The wife was just a raging goddamn bitch. And she's always screaming, I'll take your house, motherfucker. One day he went and got a quick claim, quick claim, and uh, signed it over to her and walked out. <laughs> And that lasted about four months. She couldn't make the payments and lost it. You know. Now, some wives are good. Most wives are half good. Some are really good. Um, I am to the point in my life now. I mean, you want to talk about experience. I was married 40 years less one day. She passed away. Um, I have had literally hundreds of girlfriends. I tried to make every single one of them long-term. <laughs> oh, I got a cat. <laughs> I'm happy. Um, if you got a good one, stay there. God, of course. Bring her with you. Whatever. Sell the kids. You can get a little bit of money for them in Cambodia, you know, kombucha. You can get a little money. Not, not too much. But 50 bucks, something like that. So. <laughs> um, 
Give them to grandma, whatever. That's what they do in Southeast Asia when the when the girls got 2.3 kids or 4.6 kids or whatever the hell, because they can't stop fucking stupid guys. Okay, they just give them to grandma. They all of them do that. And I saw that also. I lived on a bunch of different Indian reservations through the U.S. and Canada and Alaska. Um, <clears throat> that's what they do also. When, they're, when they can't handle the kids, they're tired and they just give them to grandma. I mean, literally, they just give them to grandma. They just drop them off sometimes. Here you go. Here you go, Granny. <laughs> um, if the wives are shit, of course, of course, get the fuck out. Um, if you're going to stay in, in a Western country and you're, and you're getting rid of your shit wife, it's going to be a shit experience. It's going to be bad. If you're married, she's going to take, she's going to rape you in court. Her attorney's going to rape you in court. The courts are going to rape you in court. It's going to be long, protracted, miserable. It's going to be expensive. It's, it's, if you just bail out, it's going to probably cost you the same amount of money, except you're going to circumvent all the goddamn bullshit, heartache, fucking trials and accusations and okay i'm not trying to convince you to go i'm really not i'm just saying if you were at the point where it's that or or plunging a plastic knife into your carotid you know the, the better option is uh, not that one my brother-in-law did that bad option bad option um okay so Anyway, all right. Um, I got a bunch of notes here today, mostly from the last one. Holy crap. Um, let's see. I'm going to go through them here. Let's try to pick. We left you in the last one, in number eight. We left you. You're in BKK, Bangkok. You know, it could be any city. It doesn't matter. It, 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 the experiences are going to be kind of sort of the same, more or less, you know. Southeast Asia is Southeast Asia is Southeast Asia. It's, it's every country's different, but they're not that different. There's going to be commonalities all through. So we got you in Bangkok. You, you're in a hotel. You've been there a while, a few weeks, a month. And you got a little bit of time left on your tourist visa. You know, you, you, you should have come in with 60 days. Um, I think actually they give that now. I'm not positive. I think they've given you 60 days right up front. They used to give you 30 days. Unless you did a visa from your embassy in your country, and then they gave you 60 days, and then you could uh, renew it for 30 days. So you get a total of 90 days, and then at the end of that, you had to fucking leave. You're out. I'm trying to cut back on the swearing. Fucking hell. Not working very well, but I'm trying. I mean, that's a thought. You know, the thought, the thought is in the, well, it's, it's back here, you know. A tiny little ghost of a thought back there, but it's in there. Okay. All right. Um, then anyway, you got to leave <clears throat> and they have things called visa runs all through Thailand. Um, you get in a van and you go to someplace, you go, you go to Laos. In Thailand, they don't say Laos. They say Lao, Lao, L-A-O, Lao. Uh, or you go to Kombucha, or you can fly somewhere else. You know, it doesn't matter. You, if you got money, you just fly, take a few days, and then you you exit out of Thailand, and then you come right back in. 
and then you're good for another kind of a convoluted 90 days. And guys do that for decades now. They have been, um, just about the time I was leaving, they were trying to crack down on that. There were some countries like I, maybe Cambodia wouldn't work anymore, something like that. I can't remember. It was getting a little more difficult. And then COVID came along, just screwed everything up. And uh, so I, I don't know what you can do anymore. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's getting done because if they stopped the border runs, they're going to lose you know, 65% of their expat population. They don't want to lose that money. So they're always going to have some sneaky, goddamn stupid, barely legal way to keep you staying there pretty much always. I know a few people that got forced out, just couldn't find a way to make it work. I think they were stupid. They could have find, found a way. They didn't. Okay, whatever. Um, if you are 50, unless they've changed this, if you are 50 or older, you can go for a retirement visa in Thailand. It is a snap. It is the easiest country I've ever been to to get a retirement visa. People say the Philippines is easier. No, the Philippines is fucked. It's stupid, backwards, nightmarish. Thailand is easy if you're 50 or older and you can prove some very small income. Um, you go to a visa attorney. I had a really good one. I used him every single time for all the decade that I was there. And you just go to him and you drop off your passport. You pay your 600 bucks once a year. A few days later, he calls, you get your passport, got a new one-year visa. You're done, done deal, done deal. Um, they do have a stupid-ass thing where every 90 days you have to do, uh, you have to do, um, well, now it's called online reporting. Um, It never, ever, ever worked right online. You had to go in person to an immigration office and stand in fucking line. Fill out this little form thing. Give it to them. They finally call your number and you, and you give them the form and you go sit down and they rifle through your passport and they stamp you, okay, you, you reported for 90 days. Uh, it's, it's not a renewal of your visa. It's just, you're just saying, here I am. I'm here. And I live here now. Same address I had 90 fucking days ago, you know. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, they're anal retentive about this shit. Uh, and it drives you crazy. It just drives you insane. Uh, I, I remember I, I had to go four times. It was quite a long drive for me to go for, for the one place that I lived a long time. It was a long drive for me to go there every 90 days. A uh, long drive and, and a dangerous drive. And one time I had to go through, go there four times because one day they were, they were booked. They were just, they had a queue out the door, down the goddamn soy, couldn't get in. So they say, come back tomorrow. Okay, you go back tomorrow. Oops, we're closed today because it's Buddha day. <laughs> ah, fucking Jesus Christ. Next day was a Saturday and uh, they didn't have anybody on staff to handle the uh, 90 day reporting. So that was uh, one, two, three, that was three times I went there. Uh, and then finally the fourth time so got it stamped. Okay, that's Thailand. And you just wonder what the hell they're thinking. Are they consciously trying to drive people out of the country? Well, yeah, some of them are. Some of them really, really, really don't want phalanx there. And they will do anything, anything to frustrate them to the point where they just leave. They just say, fuck you. That's it. That's it. It's, it's, it's just too crazy. 
then they leave. So yeah, that's a factor. Um, now, anyway, just about the time I was leaving, they finally, finally, finally got the online reporting to work. They had had website after website after website for about eight years for online reporting, 90-day reporting. Uh, it never worked. Never, ever worked. You know, one guy up in Eson, he would report, oh, mine worked today, but then not a single other one ever worked after that. And, and they, they just went, they kept changing websites and changing websites, trying to make a website that would work. It, it's so freaking simple. It's just, a, I, in, in, in about 1997, I could code a website that would do that, and I'm stupid. Hi, God, but they couldn't find a tie who could make a website that would work. So it just crashed and crashed and crashed and crashed. Error after error after error. Finally, at the end, I think the last two times, um, you just go to the website, you poke in your data, uh, you wait a few days, they send you back a message saying, okay, you've registered for 90 day reporting, done deal. Oh, oh, God, it was so nice. Um, anyway, t beyond that, you, you, if you're in Bangkok and you're in the situ situation that, that I just described, you've been there a while, a month, maybe five weeks, something like that, and pretty soon you're going to have to start thinking about what are you going to do if you want to stay there. And I went through the same process because I wasn't, I, when I first went there, I, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going here to live. I'm going there to check it out, see if it's a place I want to spend more time. That's all. Um, so I went through the the, uh, the initial two months, and then I extended for 90 days, or I mean for 30 days. So I had a total of 90 days, and then I had to go get the retirement visa, which was because I had turned 50. And it was just easy snap all, just easy. Um, once a year. If you if you're not 50. Or especially if you can't prove income, a lot, a lot of guys can't. I guys go there thinking they're going to live there on like eight hundred dollars a month, and we'll, we'll talk later about you know how much does it take to live there. Um, eight hundred dollars a month, if that's all you can show, or some guys can't even prove that they're getting that from the grammar or some goddamn thing. Um, you won't be able to qualify for a retirement visa. You'll have to either keep doing border runs, you know, for the rest of your life, I guess, every every 90 days. And they're a pain in the ass. They cram you into a van. They drive for 10 hours. Take you to a border somewhere, Lao or Kombucha, whatever. I don't think Myanmar, I'm not sure if you can do it in Myanmar. It doesn't matter anyway. Uh, if you live south, you can maybe do it in Malaysia. I don't know. Um, anyway, they're going to take you to a border and they're going to dump you off in a building and some sleazy, slimy, dirty looking guy is going to come and collect everybody's passport and he's going to take them and disappear for an hour or two and come back and give them back to you. Maybe yours is in that batch. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's stamped correctly. Maybe it isn't. You're going to get back on the van and they're going to drive another 10 hours back to wherever your town is. Every 90 days, you're going to do this. That's not particularly expensive, but it's a horrendous pain in the ass. God, it's a horrible thing. I never did it, but I know 
lots and lots of guys who did, and I watched them go through it and, and listened to their stories, and I felt for them. Um, okay, so if you're in Bangkok or any other country, really, and you're on a tourist visa, pretty soon you got to start thinking about what are you going to do? Are you going to stay there? If you're not going to stay there, well, fuck it. You know, just stay, stay out your tourist visa and go another country or go home or whatever. Uh, if you're going to stay, then you get to seriously start thinking about what you're going to do. You, there are lots of attorneys and lots of quote unquote agents, most of whom are dishonest and bad and incompetent and illegal. Ah, it's a huge problem. I watched guys get screwed over and stolen from so many times by these attorneys and agents promise them a visa this way and that way and it never produce it. Well, we need a little more money. We need a little more money because we got to pay this guy and we got to pay that guy. And they never got the visa and they lost, uh, you know, three, four, five thousand dollars US. Really? Really? Oh, God, it's a big problem. It's a big problem in every Southeast Asian country. It's a bigger in Thailand, I think. Cambodia is, is looked down upon by the world and by Thailand. I didn't have any problems like that in Cambodia. I <laughs> paid them the bribe or whatever. And uh, they brought the right passport back and everything was hunky-dory and everything was fine. I did have a lot of trouble in Laos. I had more trouble in Laos with customs immigration officials than any other country. They're insane. They're, I'll tell these stories later. Insane. 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 I don't have words for it. I'll be swearing a lot then. And I won't care. <laughs> I need to have something to take out my frustration. I, I've got a cat, you know. Well, I mean, he's not alive. Uh, name is Frankenberry. He's, he, he shows up in the alienanalprobe.com alien podcast. He's in there quite a bit, but I got to have some kind of something I got to take, I can take out my frustrations on. I, something I can, I can hold it up here. And when I get really frustrated thinking about the shit that happened to me with customs and immigrations in Lao, I can punch it. Choking, choking. Bad, bad kitty, bad kitty. Oh. Rather than, that'll keep me from swearing, okay, right? Frustration levels. Gandhi would kill. Gandhi would be a fucking killer in some of those situations. And I am not exaggerating. They will drive you to homicide. <laughs> okay, so... I, I, I'm just going to go through these list of questions here because I, I didn't really sort them because I'm lazy bastard. Um, people want to know, people maybe with some, you know, compromised lung things, maybe you got emphysema, something like that. Do not go to freaking Bangkok. Do not go. Holy Jesus. Air quality in Bangkok. Um, you'll look on all the sites. And they'll tell you one thing while they're cooking the books. The air quality is far and vastly worse than what they report. It's okay. I never had the slightest lung problem in my entire life. Uh, I was a commercial diver. I had good lungs. <laughs> I 
good lungs. Um, never any problem. Non-smoker. No. Nope. Lungs like a freaking elephant, you know. Okay. Every time I spent time in Bangkok, my lungs went south. It depended a little bit on the time of year, uh, depending on which way the winds were blowing, what part of town I was in. You know, if you're uh, if you're on the the windward side of Bangkok, depending on the season, eh, maybe it's not going to be so bad. But if you're downwind from all the shit, you could potentially have a really serious, serious problem. They call it Bangkok lung. Um, many people love Bangkok so much that even though they know they're dying, whatever this thing is, it's taken years off their life. They don't care. Well, they care, but they go to the doctor, you know, a couple of times a year and they get some, the doctors in, in Bangkok or BKK um, have some kind of special treatment thing that they do for people who <laughs> with Bangkok lung. Uh, it's a combination of antibiotics and some of the crap and it will straighten you out pretty quickly. It'll straighten out your lungs pretty quickly. Um, but then it just comes back a few months, you know, whatever. Um, I was up there one time, I guess I was in the wrong part of town, wrong time of year. I was doing a lot of ground traveling, just lots and lots of taxis. And I'd been there a month, I suppose. And my lungs just got worse and worse and worse and worse until I just couldn't breathe. I had to go to another city, get a room. And it took me about three months to clear that shit out of my lungs, whatever it was. The, the theory, the common theory is that you got a bunch of particulates in the, in the, in the air, pollution, smoke and exhaust and whatever the fuck, it's everything, everything. <laughs> and that goes into your lungs, of course. Mask isn't really going to stop that. A really high end, like an, auto body shop painters mask that'll stop it but you kind of wear one of those around in 99 degrees you know no you're not gonna nobody well no that's not true every once in a while you'll see somebody uh, a covid mask is going to do nothing and, and incidentally uh ties and especially in bangkok they were wearing those masks decade before covid came along for two reasons, one to try to ward off Bangkok lung, and the other was it's a style statement to them. They thought they looked cool. It's the same reason they, they get braces. They're, uh, they have fake braces, you know, really cheap. They're just, they don't do anything at all. They're just cosmetic. Um, the girls think it's a style statement. They look cool. So they, you see all these girls walking around with these different colored braces. Some of them are real trying to straighten out their teeth. Most of them probably 94% are fake. Okay, so I had a number of friends who came to visit from a Western country in Bangkok. And got it, two or three of us, we went up there one time, did a lot of, we were in the taxis a lot. And within 48 hours, I had Bangkok long. I couldn't swallow. My throat was full of phlegm and, and everybody had the exact same thing. So it was just a bad time of year and a bad part of town. 
and I was really, really sick. It was getting hard to breathe after 48 hours. And I was getting panicky. I was thinking, Jesus, I got to get out of here. I got really, I, I, you know, we were going to stay there a week or something. No, 48 hours or within 72, we were out of there. And we were all deathly ill from Bangkok alone. Um, I had another friend who came to visit. He was up there for how long? Four or five days. We were up there together. Um, he got deathly ill and then he went to another town with me stayed deathly ill for the remainder for for another month or so after he left bangkok he stayed sick he just couldn't kick it he's just wheezing and felt terrible and fever and couldn't breathe and full of phlegm and uh he went home on schedule he stuck it out went home on schedule but being outside of bangkok to a whole nother city, you know, 200 miles away, it didn't help him at all. Uh, he finally went home and just stayed sick. Sick. He stayed, he stayed deathly ill for like another two months. And finally, okay, I'm, I'm not going to kick this ever. I guess I'll die from it. He went to an American doctor and the American doctor said, holy crap, Ola, we've never seen anything like this. And they started hitting him with all kinds of stuff. Well, they should have just called up a Bangkok doctor and said, what are you using? You know, well, they wouldn't do that because American doctors know everything, you know. God, anyway, it took him another few months to treat him for this Bangkok lung thing. And he finally did get over it, but it was a long, long haul. Anyway, I started to say the particulates in the air Um, coat the inside of your lungs. And at this point, they're just poison. You know, they're not bacterial. They're just poison, uh, chemical poisons. And they'll make you feel really shitty. And they will trigger some mucus responses in the, in the linings of the lung. And normally when bacteria comes into the lung, this is my understanding of it. I'm not a doctor. I did operations on horses. None of them died. No horses died in the making of this video. They all lived, but <laughs> I always wanted to do operations on people. I never got around to it. Okay, so you got this poison in your lungs from the toxins in the air. It creates a mucus response inside the lungs. And normally the lungs can, I mean, you got bacteria going in there every breath. You got bacteria going in there in the lungs. They say, oh, bacteria, ah, they do something to it. They deal with it somehow. Okay. With all this mucus in there, well, in the first place, they're weak because of the toxins. Second place, they got all this mucus in that prevents them from doing whatever they normally do to deal with the bacteria. And the bacteria says, oh my God, this is a Petri dish. Oh, happy days. And they just start breeding like little, um, can't think of anything clever. Um, teenagers, <laughs> I don't know. and they take over the lungs. So you got two problems. You, you got two. Now you well, you got three problems. You got the toxins. You got the mucus. You got the bacteria. Um, even if you get those lungs out of Bangkok, so you're not introducing new toxins. The bacteria is still there, and the bacteria is saying, oh, we're so happy here. Please don't make us leave. 
um, and you'll stay sick. And I suppose a weakened immune system is just going to die. And, and p- people do very, 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 very regularly, they die from lung problems like that. Okay, you go to Beijing or something, it's far worse, far worse. But Bangkok is plenty bad enough. Um, so think about that. If you have any kind of compromised lung function, the rest of Thailand is pretty much okay, except if you go into the northern parts, they do the rice. I think they burn the husks or something every year. All across Isan, northern Thailand, any places rice fields, they burn them. And in the south also. Um, huge, huge fires uh, can actually interfere with airline traffic. And that smoke, it's not full of poison, it's not full of toxins from Bangkok, but it's full of other shit, and that will kill people also. The Thai solution to that was to come through small towns with fire trucks and hose down the streets. Oh yeah, that'll fix it. That's what they did. They spent millions on that. Hose down the streets. Okay, in this smoke fog thing. I mean, you you might not be able to see 200 yards because of this rice smoke. And you're wheezing and coughing, but they hose down the streets and everybody's just... What are you doing that for? Okay. Okay. So, air quality BKK. There we go. Best we can. Uh, Most of Thailand is not a problem. Um, Okay. Next note here. People are asking me stuff about this. Um, We've got you in Bangkok. You... Either you've got a girlfriend or you're trying to get a girlfriend because you're crazy. And you don't realize <laughs> how perfectly lovely life can be if you don't have one. Just get a cat. Oh, God. I'm to the point where I don't know that I will ever have another girlfriend. They are just so much trouble. I had one good one, and I figured, okay, that's it. I was lucky. Really lucky. Really lucky. For 40 years minus a day. And that's all I probably deserve. So I, you know, I just would have stayed alone. Almost always. <laughs> and if you're smart, you will do, but you're not smart. Um, so you're looking for girls or you found a girl, okay, and you're trying to talk to her and you can't because the language is so alien. And the, and it's not just the language, it's their whole, it's the, it's the way their brains are hardwired. Hardwired. Some of their insanity is learned, but a lot, a lot of it is uh, hardwired in the brain. I had Thai friends in the U.S., before I ever, ever even thought about Thailand, and, and my decision to go to Thailand had nothing to do with them. We never even talked one time about Thailand. Uh, and a number of them, a whole, a whole some, a number of siblings had never been to Thailand. They didn't speak Thai. But 
they were off. They were off. They were off kilter. They were off. It's like I told you, like, remember the old Batman series, the original Batman series, you know, when, when they were showing the bad guys, the Joker or whatever, they would take the camera and they would cock it 30 degrees, you know, so everything just looked weird and, and uncomfortable and you didn't like it. Okay, that's what it was like being around these ties. They're off. Okay. Some are more off than others. <laughs> um. So you're trying to communicate with this uh, girlfriend, whatever, entity. <laughs> Satanic entity that has a, trying to attach itself to you. <laughs> and <clears throat> you haven't learned enough Thai yet. Or any other country. You know, you haven't learned enough Khmer. You haven't learned enough Loesh. And you haven't learned enough uh, Tagalog. You know, you, you and contrary to popular belief in the Philippines, yeah, they, I mean, their big claim to fame is, yeah, we speak English. No, they don't. They're saying the words, but you can't understand them because no, no English, no native speaker ever taught them. Only other Filipinos taught them and their accents are so bad. So what they do, they just passed on the bad accents for the English words and you can't understand them. Ordering from a restaurant is uh, vexing, okay, in the Philippines. But in Thailand, it's going to be worse. Um, so you resort to Google Translate or some other translator. Uh, some are better than others. Google might be the worst. Just about everything Google does is the worst. As far as I'm concerned, it's a failed company. They're making money because they're sneaky and tricky and dishonest. Other than that, they're almost worthless. Okay. So, if you type something to your girlfriend and you know you're smart by now, you know, you know, no more than five words tops. <laughs> That's our limit. Um, and you type over to her, we go eat now, okay? Kimosabi. <laughs> and her phone goes ding. And she looks and she reads it. And she scowls at you like you fucking pig fucker. Piece. I try not to swear, but I, pig fucker piece of shit. I'm going to fucking kill you. Oh, God, I made a big mistake coming to your condo, you piece of shit. And you're, you're like, what? What? <laughs> what? I, I asked you if you want to go have a nice meal. You know what? And, uh, okay, <clears throat> you take what you sent to her. And you reverse it. You translate it back from from Thai to English. It's going to say, "I want to fuck your mom." <laughs> I mean, really? Uh, I would say somewhere around half the time, if you refer to a he in Google Translate, it's going to say a she. If you refer to a boyfriend, it's going to say it's a girlfriend. Um, Google Translate, it's it's like they threw some token translations in there and just said, ah, "That's good. They'll figure it out." No. Positively, I positively guarantee Google Translate is solely responsible for the breakups of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of relationships in Thailand. Now, some other languages, they're not so bad. They do better with Tagalog, for instance. Spanish, French, you know, 
that tie. No. I don't know why they can't get it figured out. He is a he and she is a she. Well, not really, but you know, if you're, if you use the word he, they should not turn it into the word she. Okay. Cause they don't know any better. It's a really big problem. It's one of the biggest problems you're going to face in, in Thailand or in most countries. Bad translators. Um, it's a really huge, huge problem. Okay, so we've covered that. And, and I don't know any solution to it except just take two years and learn Thai. Okay. Um, people want to know how bad is the uh, crime in BKK, or let's just say Thailand. It's as, well, no, no, no. I was going to say it's as bad as it gets. No, it's not. Um, God, it's a weird thing. Yeah, there's crime in Thailand. It's not blatant in your face like it is in any Western country. Now, I was to the point in Western country, U.S., Canada, I was at the point where if I wanted something from a 7-Eleven, ice cream bar, you know, whatever the hell, I wouldn't go there after about 7 o'clock p.m. Just wouldn't go because I knew it was going to be full of punks and assholes and drunks and really crazy, 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 crazy people. And they're going to be violent and they're going to be looking for trouble. And it doesn't matter how effectively you sidestep it. They're, they're just going to get back in front of you and try to make trouble. A, a glance or, <coughs> you know, you brush somebody in an aisle or somebody's trying to get something and you're patiently waiting with your with your hands clasped you know behind your back and you're waiting for them to get done so you can move into that part of the aisle and, and look for the same item and they'll get the idea that you're waiting and they'll look up at you and you're, hey asshole what the fuck do you want you you looking at me yeah can you see the bottom of my boot motherfucker <laughs> uh it'll wind you up i don't care who you're gandhi i don't care mother Teresa. I didn't go to 7-Elevens or places like that after 7 o'clock. I didn't do it anymore. I learned. I learned. I learned. And everybody I know feels pretty much the same way. Um, in Southeast Asian countries, it's fine. You know, I've tried to explain, even in Eastern Europe, I've tried to explain to people in, in the old Soviet bloc countries. Um, I, I was going to settle in Romania for a while. And I had some good people there, spoke good English, and we talked a lot about life in Romania. And uh, <clears throat> I asked them, you know, how often do you have a problem in places like 7-Eleven or wherever? And, um, you know, if you move into one of these condos, how often do you have a problem with noise? And they just look at you like, what, what are you talking about? What? Problem? Why, why would I have a problem? Because they don't. They don't. It's a different kind of people. Um, you're very rarely, um, virtually never going to have problems like that in Thai society or Southeast Asian society, with the possible exception of Cambodia. Um, I, I told you that I 
I got to the point where every time I went there, I carried a brick. <laughs> this brick, I found it somewhere. Um, it was a nice hand-sized brick. It fit nicely into one of my back pockets. And I just put it there and ignored it because you're not allowed to have any other kind of weapon. And I carried it all the time. And people will try to steal your stuff all the time in Cambodia. All the time. And there's a bit of a smart-ass, punk, troublemaking mentality there. And there's a reason for it. And I don't know if I'll go into that or not. It, it's it's rooted in the whole Pol Pot era. And I, I, I know that. I don't know every fact of that, but I know it pretty intimately. And I've walked his killing fields. I've tripped on their bones. I got a poked got a bone poked up through my shoe one day uh, we dug it up it was a little girl probably um, six or seven uh, just bones uh, dressed in a like a polyester rayon or a polyester um, chartreuse uh, little dress one of Pol Pot's victims uh, you know about three and a half million of his own people killed there um, so Cambodia got a hit, got a hit back in the late seventies, got hit really hard. He took all the quality people out of the society and what was left was people with no training, no edu education, no, no nothing. And, and, and that kind of bad big, uh, bacteria kind of flourished. And so they have a Cambodia today that's uh, rough. It's rough around the edges. It's quite rough. So you can have a lot of trouble there. Uh, anyway, to this, I used to take this brick and I hid it in a place outside of whatever hotel I was in. I would find some little place outside of the building where I'd hide this brick. And uh, then in the morning when I went out, I'd pick it up and spend the whole day with my brick. And that worked pretty well. If I started to have trouble, I would just casually take it out of my pocket. And... and uh, you know, that usually stopped the problem. Um, and then somebody stole it. So, you know, somebody saw me put it in my hiding place. I thought, oh, that must be something valuable. <laughs> it stole my book. I mean, you could go get another one, but, you know, it was disheartening anyway. <laughs> okay, crime in Bangkok, it can be really goddamn rough. I saw a video of a guy... He's in a little office kind of a thing. Uh, he's robbing the place. Probably going to get 10 bucks, you know. Thais are kind of socially conscious. And when they see bad things in society, they'll very often speak up about it. Say, hey, don't do that. That's antisocial. Don't do that. That's bad for your people, you know, like that. And there was a woman in there, a really pretty girl, um, late 20s probably. Maybe she was an office worker in there. I'm not sure. I got the impression she was in there, like, picking up a package or something like that. And this guy was robbing some people or doing some damn thing in there. And uh, and she spoke up and she said, hey, don't don't be doing this. This is bad. This makes the Thai people look bad. And he just grabbed her around the head and, and uh, pulled her forehead close to him, put a revolver at her forehead and went pop. And she went, oh, like. Oh, I didn't think he's going to do that. And then, of course, she's dead before she hits the ground. Um, another woman there was at a bus stop. She had a ring on, 
bad people came, wanted the ring. She either said no or they couldn't get it off. Probably they couldn't get it off. So they sawed her finger off there at the bus stop. Uh, bad shit happens there. They got their share of serial killers and pedophiles and uh, bad shit happens. I felt pretty safe in Bangkok, maybe because I'm stupid. I walked through the slums. I took pictures. I carried a huge, you know, 400 millimeter goddamn cameras worth more than a tie would make in five or 10 years in one camera. I never had the slightest problem, even at, even at night. Never had any problem at all. But I could have. I could have at any given second. I did that all over Southeast Asia and never had any trouble. Well, except in Cambodia. But uh, but I still, I didn't have serious trouble in Cambodia. You know, that brick was somewhat effective. <laughs> and, you know, if you're a phalang, you know, I'm almost 6'3", uh, you know, 230, 240. I used to be in shape. I look like I'm still in shape. I'm not. <laughs> I could get out of a wet paper bag with a knife. But I look a little intimidating. Um, and Southeast Asians are going to be 5'5". Five, five. Even if there's two or three of them, you know, they're starting to think, hmm, maybe, maybe can, can we do this? Can we do this? And I had to back down quite a few in Cambodia. And, and it worked. Luckily, it worked. But... Um, so crime, yeah, crime is there. The crime mostly is of the scammy variety. Ties are sneaky. Well, Southeast Asians in general are sneaky people. They are, they're sneaky. Some countries are worse. Philippines are worse. Sneakier. Sneaky is as sneaky does. Okay. Ties are plenty sneaky though. And they prefer to sneak around in the shadows and try to get over on you that way, as opposed to just coming at you one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, and do, if, if you have a problem, don't ever fight them. Because even if you are absolutely very clearly in the right, um, every tie from quarter of a mile is going to come and, and join them and help them and say that you started it every single time. Every time. I don't know how to get that across to you any more strongly than that, but you need to suck that up. In any kind of a conversation, do not raise your voice. Do not give dirty looks. That's an invitation for the entire crowd that's watching, watching to be on you. Um, I don't care how right you are. You walk away. You just walk away. You just give them a why. Sassy crowd. And you walk away. That's it. That's it. Every single time you're going to do that because you're going to be wrong. It doesn't matter what they've done. You're going to be wrong. Man, this is just hot today. Two air conditioners going. Oh, jeez. Boy. Okay. Um, we're, we're still monsoony, so it's really, really humid. It's like 99% humidity and spitting rain and 
you know, probably 95 degrees. Even with the air cons going, they can only take so much humidity out of the air. It's just, uh, this is the hot, monsoony, wet time of year. So, you know, it's expected. Um, you do not argue. I have. I have backed down some ties. I have backed down groups of ties. It was stupid. Don't do it. Just walk away. And if you can't choke that stuff down, don't go. Um, in Cambodia, it's different. There was a guy, years ago, there was a guy, Phalang. He's in a, he's in a tuk-tuk, I believe. Yeah, he's in a tuk-tuk. Um, now they have wire cages around all the tuk-tuks because if you're in a tuk-tuk, and you're stopped at a light or you're going slow, the crooks will run up and steal whatever you got in there or try or, you know, put you at gunpoint, demand your money, whatever. Well, you know, screen's not going to stop that. Um, the screen stop them from grabbing your luggage anyway. So anyway, this, uh, some Khmer guy, one guy, he ran up at a stop site, grabbed uh, like two bags out of the tuk-tuk in the back seat uh, from this flying and started to run, and the flank was on him. He was on him. His younger guy just on him, knocked him down. And they're fighting. They're fighting hammer and tong to the death. And the tuk-tuk driver, amazingly good guy, good come here guy, he jumps out and he helps the flank because he's pissed because everybody in Cambodia is fucking tired of this shit. They really are sick to death of it. And uh, they fought this guy, both of them together, for quite a while. It was a long, protracted fight. And uh, finally, they got the guy, got the bad guy done. He's on the ground. He's bleeding. He's fucked up. Um, and I don't know if they called him. Somebody called him. The police just showed up. I don't know. And they got this guy, the bad guy. And they loaded him up. And he's, he's beat up. He's bloody and he's black and blue and he's shit like that. You know, he's somewhat, somewhat beat up. He's uh, barely conscious. And they took him to the police station. And they kept him for a while, like three days, something like that. And then they announced, oops, he's dead. <laughs> and they released the pictures of him. And he was beat up 10 times worse than the Falang and the driver ever did. He, he was a hamburger. <laughs> and the police said, well, the Falang did it. And I know what you're waiting for here. They didn't do that. They said the Falang's a hero. You're defending himself. And, uh, they didn't charge him with anything. They buried the Khmer guy. And for years, what I'm told, for years, the Falang could not buy a cup of coffee or a beer or a meal. <laughs> they just, everybody paid for it. Okay, in Thailand, that's not going to happen. The Thai is going to be right no matter what. You're going to be the bad, 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 bad man. So, yeah, these countries are different. Um... I didn't, some of this stuff, when I was in Thailand, some of this stuff kind of grated on me because Thais are going to do bad shit to you. They are, because they don't 
want you there. The guys don't want you there at all. Not at all. You're taller. You're often handsomer. You have a hundred thousand times more money than them. You get all the hottest girls and they're stuck with the leftovers, pretty much the leftovers. And they don't like it. Your motorbikes are nice and beautiful and theirs are rusty fucking shit. You can go get nice food. They only got to watch from outside on the sidewalk. They don't like you. Thai guys do not like you. None. None. Don't try to make friends with them. I know people who have. I know like one case where the Thai guy turned out to be a good and faithful friend. Okay, having said that, I did have one good Thai friend. Except he wasn't Thai, he was Chinese. Uh, he was born and born and raised in Thailand, but he was straight from mainland mainland China. Um, but his brain was Chinese, and the Chinese brain is different than the Thai brain. Um, he was a good friend for ten years. Still is. He's still good guy. Good guy every way, every way. So it can happen. It's just really, really, really rare. Um, Philippines, you're going to make friends. You can make good friends. You can easily make male friends. No problem. Don't worry about it. Um, Vietnam, no. Laos, I don't know. I had some somewhat friends in Laos. And we'll, and we'll talk about Laos in, in some detail later. Um, okay, so crime in BKK is, uh, it's there. It sure as hell there. I don't know what the stats are. Um, in some ways, the phalangs are a target for it. You're going to get more crime than other, than ties in some ways. In some ways, you're immune to it. In some ways, they're going to, they're going to purposely leave you alone. So it's a, it's a weird thing. I had a friend, he was driving up there in, in Bangkok, um, years ago. And he spoke Thai fluently. Fluent. He was fluent. And he owned a whole bunch of businesses all, all, well, all through his area of Thailand. Quite a few houses and driving a new car in downtown Bangkok. And like three or four Thai punks and they're standing on the curb. And he's rolling through the light really slowly, like two or three miles an hour. Because uh, there's traffic ahead of him. And they jumped out off the curb and thumped into the left front fender of his, of his SUV. And then fell down. Oh, he hit me. He hit me. Okay. And they wanted money. And he said, no. My. And uh, they pushed it. And they pushed and pushed. And they, you know, one guy said his foot was broken. And he called the police, which is takes balls, <laughs> you know, take balls to call the police. And the police showed up, Thai police, and they checked everything out, talked to the kids, talked to the guy. Of course, he spoke fluent Thai. And in the end, the Thai cops demanded that the one punk take his shoes off, and he did, and there's no, not even a red mark, nothing. And they just told the Thai punks, if we see you doing that again, you're going to jail, sent them on their way and apologized to the 
filleting. So you can get a fair shake. Uh, I'm going to tell you one. Okay, this, uh, the question after crime in Bangkok is police corruption. So let's slide right into that. Um, Thai police are corrupt beyond anything you could possibly begin to imagine. The corruption is pretty close to 100%. It's 99.3%. And I don't mean shady. I mean totally corrupt. Totally corrupt. Totally, totally mind-numbingly corrupt. It's like they have no concept of, of any sense of honor or decency or society or it's not like that. They they don't. They don't have any sense of it. Okay, I'll tell you a story. Uh, I had not been in Thailand very long. And I had been meeting girls, not doing anything with them, just meeting girls. And they would, you know, instantly they want to get your number. Okay, so whatever, you know. And I didn't really understand anything about Thai girls at all. I thought I did, but I didn't. And so... I had this one girl, oh, this is, a, this is a really sad thing. I was sitting in a Starbucks that was uh, right on a big boulevard, you know, sitting in a chair at a table, sipping my whatever. And right where my feet were, there was a little ledge about 16 inches that went from my feet straight down to the sidewalk. Okay, so I'm elevated up above the sidewalk. And there's pretty girls just everywhere, and they're just they're just begging you to look at them, just please. And I I didn't. I was sort of getting getting it by then, and I didn't. You know, I was I just I just wanted to look look at the cars, you know. And this girl comes, just stunningly pretty girl. And she sat down next to my feet which was kind of common, you know, people would sit there. People who couldn't afford Starbucks, couldn't afford to sit at the table would sit there. Okay, ties would sit there. And she sat down there next to my feet and, and just looked at the traffic like I was doing. And, you know, I noted that she was, uh, you know, she was a 10. No question, she was a 10. And how old she was probably, 22. God. And she sat there next to my feet for a while and I didn't want to start up any kind of conversation. I didn't want to start anything. I didn't want to initiate because I, I knew where it was going to lead. And she sat there for a really long time. And then I moved my feet back because they were cramped up or something. I moved my feet back under the table for a few minutes. And she scooted over to where my feet had been. And I thought, oh, okay, whatever. Well, I, I can't put my feet back there, I guess. And she just kept sitting there, kept sitting there, never looked at me one time. And... Finally, my feet were getting cramped up under the table, so I moved them out, and I and I put them kind of on either side of her butt, but not close to her, you know, just so I, so I wouldn't think, I, I wouldn't make it seem like I was trying to be friendly or anything. I just needed to get my feet out from under that table. And she noticed that, I guess. I mean, they were far enough back, I don't know how she did, but peripheral vision, I guess she noticed that I had done it. And little by little by little, she started scooting back um, to the point where she's almost touching my knees. 
her, like her back is almost touching my knees. And I said, oh God, you know, it's time to go. <laughs> and then she put her head back on my knees and looked up at me and I thought, oh shit, I am well and truly screwed now. And anyway, she could speak a little bit of English. Um, she wasn't a bar girl, but her, her mother had died. And when her mother died, her father kicked her out. And I said, oh yeah, and your buffalo's sick too. But it turned out, I, I knew her for years and it turned out actually that was actually the case. Um, and she was sleeping on the beach. And uh, just she was just begging for money. She wouldn't go with any customers. And so anyway, I took her in and took care of her for a while, but it was like having two raccoons in your home. She had no sense of, you know, living among people because <laughs> she hadn't been for, for however many years. Um, anyway, I got her out and we stayed friends. We stayed friends for 10 years, still friends. And um, I hadn't known her very long at that time. And she, I, I, it's like uh, four o'clock in the morning, I got this bzz on my phone. I thought, what the hell, what the hell? That was in the days when I was still stupid enough to leave the alerts on. You know, don't do that. Don't do it. Turn them off. Turn everything off. You know, when you're ready, you go check. <laughs> and I looked and uh, it was a, call from her, call back the number, and she, and I said, what, what do you want? It's four o'clock in the morning. I thought she was going to ask if she could come to the condo because she was cold or hot or hungry or something. And she said, I'm in jail. I said, what the, what the hell? How, how did you ever end up in jail? And I said, oh, prostitute, prostitute. She, she was turning a trick. They popped her. Well, it turns out in Thailand, they don't pop them for that really. They pop them for other things, but not for current tricks. Uh, because their income uh, powers the police department, so the police want that income. And that's the God's truth. Um, and I said, what did you do? Why are you in jail? What did you do? She said, everything. I said, oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so I thought, Okay, she probably got in a fight with somebody on the beach or she stole some food or something like that. And she says, come, come now, come quick, because I don't know what they will do. I think, oh, yeah, right. Well, yeah, you know, nothing's going to happen to you in the police station, for God's sake. And uh, so I hoofed it down there. It was quite a ways, about a mile. Kind of drizzly rain. Got there, all hot and sweaty. And um, I couldn't pronounce her name. And so I had a picture of her on my phone. I held it up. And I just kept showing it to all the cops. Do you know this girl? Do you know this girl? Finally, somebody pointed upstairs. So I went upstairs and uh, showed it around. Nobody knew it. They just kept pointing towards the chief's office. So I walked into the chief's office and uh, showed him the picture. And he said, oh, yeah, 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 there, there, there. And he pointed. And they didn't really have bars in those days. They just they had another room where the prisoners stayed and the door was open. <laughs> they just told them to stay there and they did. <laughs> so... There she is over in that other room. I uh, couldn't couldn't really talk to her. And, and uh, the chief says, uh, do you want her? 
And I'm like, well, I don't know. Not, not really. I don't really know her. What, what did she do? And he said, uh, drugs. I said, oh, shit. You know, that hadn't even occurred to me. Because I just, I just, what little I knew of her, she just wasn't that type. Um, she was very modest and, and shy, and I just couldn't see her getting involved in it. Anyway, apparently she had. What they do is they go around, if they see girls that they want to sort of harass, they stop them and they make them do a pee-pee test right there on the sidewalk. They make them pull their pants down and pee in a cup or whatever the hell, and they test it right on the spot. And uh, if it's positive, they take them to jail right then and there. Um, sometimes they'll put up a little modesty, you know, they'll hold up a little piece of a sheet or something for modesty, but sometimes they won't, they don't care. Um, I mean, there's no warrants, there's no, they just do it. And anyway, so that's what she had gone through. She had, she had tested positive. And he, he kept saying, do you want this girl? And I thought, well, not now, you know, because I knew the whole drug scene in Thailand, you don't do it. You don't get involved. You bail out somebody who's accused of drugs and then they're going to associate you with some kind of drug trade thing, you know, like, oh, she must be the accomplice. You know, he's the accomplice or he's the mastermind. You don't get involved. You don't fucking do it. You don't, you walk away. And I said, well, no, I no. If it's drugs, no, I'm done. I'm out. And I started leaving. He said, well, wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's talk for a minute. And uh, he said, you, you can take her right now and, and I will tell her she must stay with you. Well, I did, you know, I, if I wanted her, she would stay with me anyway. I no, I can't have raccoons living in my condo. You know? <laughs> and uh, just out of curiosity, I said, "How much is the bail?" And he said, "Some outrageous thing it was fifty thousand baht or something, fifteen hundred bucks, something like that." And I'm like, "Oh fuck!" You know, I thought, "Well, maybe it was two hundred baht. Maybe I'd think about it. I'd, probably not even then, because I don't want to be associated with it." And I said, "Nope, sorry, I'm done." And I started to walk out and he said, well, no, come on. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. And took me in another room. We sat down and uh, he's at his desk, big desk, nice desk. And I sat down and he says, well, what was your, where do you come from? America. Well, what was your work in America? And I said, federal law enforcement. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh, then we are brothers. We are brothers. And I was like, no, not really. <laughs> but he thought we were. And uh, he said, uh, how much do you want this girl? I, I, don't, I don't want her. I'm not involved. I, don't, I barely know her. No, I'm done. I'm sorry. She has to go to jail. Sorry, I'm done. And he says, well, uh, you know, okay, not 50,000 baht. Uh, do you have 8,000 baht? I'm like, no. No. And he says, okay, let's go to the ATM. We'll go to the ATM. I'll go with you. 8,000 baht. She can go. She'll, I'll, I'll make sure she stay with you a long time. You know, <laughs> No, 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 thousand times fucking no. And uh, God, he was hard to convince because he was just going to put that money in his pocket. Oh, fuck. And I finally got through to him. I should have just walked out, but I, I was still some Western, you know, wasteful manners. And I stayed and talked to him and oh, God. finally I did walk out. And went down, started home, and I got, I got about a block towards home. And then I realized, oh, son of a bitch. I left my iPhone on his desk. Shit. And uh, 
I remembered he had commented, oh, that's a nice iPhone because I had a, a battery case on it. You know, it was the latest model and stuff like that. And he, he had looked at it. He said, oh, nice iPhone. I said, you know, whatever, you know, whatever. And um, so I'd forgotten it. So I hoofed it back there. I trotted back. Went up, walked straight into the office, didn't wait, just opened the door, walked in. And um, I was just going to snatch it off the desk and say, cup and crub, you know, walk out, done. But it wasn't on the desk. And I said, oh, he must have picked it up, put it in his drawer. And I said, iPhone, I, I forgot my iPhone. And he says, what iPhone? I, I never see iPhone. What do you talk about iPhone? And there was about five male cops in there standing around his desk. They had been talking about some other issue. And they're looking at me and looking at him. And I knew goddamn well they knew about that iPhone. They knew it. They knew he had the iPhone or somebody had the iPhone. And they're just shutting their mouths because it's just corrupt. It's just morally corrupt down to the last molecule. And I didn't understand how corrupt at that time. And uh, I pushed the matter hard because I was pissed. And I wasn't all that afraid of them. I should have been, but I wasn't. And I pushed it hard. And my voice is going up, almost yelling. Slapped the table a few times. I want my iPhone. I want it now. And the, the other cops are kind of starting to edge around like, oh, we're not that we're going to have to subdue this guy. We're going to get to subdue this guy. We hope he does something. They're just itching, just itching. And I picked this up, picked it up, picked up on that. And uh, finally realized I had done everything I could do. I pushed it as far as I could. I thought, well, I lost an iPhone. Fuck me. How stupid can I be? And I walked out, went home, and had another phone immediately uh, locked, locked up the stolen iPhone. And I also put a message on the screen so that if anybody booted it um, or tried to boot it, uh, this message would appear right off and it would say, this phone is stolen. Reward, please call this number, which was my alternate number. And I thought, yeah, that's going to work. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Start shopping for iPhones. You know? And it was about a week later, I get this call. And it's some guy. Actually, uh, uh, he, he was a Thai guy. I couldn't understand it, but I had a girl there and she translated and she said, this guy said he was a motorbike taxi driver. And he had a, a fare, he had a customer last night. And, a cus and, and this customer made him drive him to like Rayong or something, which is far, 30 miles. Well, in the first place, motorbike taxis aren't allowed to go that far. Um, in the second place, he said, well, this customer owed him some 30,000 baht or something for this trip. Well, it's 30 miles. It, you know, at worst case scenario, it would have been 500 baht, maybe. But, but this customer owed him like 30,000 baht, something like that. And uh, the customer didn't have any money. So he had taken the customer's property. And one of the property things he took was this iPhone. And then he saw the number on it. And uh, he just wanted to uh, get some of his money back, you know, from this non-paying customer. And if I would just meet him someplace, um, 
he'd give me back the phone and I'd give him uh, whatever the hell reward he wanted. He wanted a reward of like 10,000 baht or something. Um, and that would be that. We'd shake hands. Okay, so um, we met him in a dark place early in the morning. He had the phone. I verified it was the phone. The case was gone. It was all scarred to redshift. Um, and I was supposed to give him whatever the money was. I can't remember. It was a pretty hefty, you know, reward. <laughs> and he was a real smart mouth, fucking punk, a slimy, dirty, sneaky looking ferret face little fuck. And I just instantly hated him. And I got the phone, gave him the money. I just stood looking at him like, you know. Something else you'd like to say, you little fuck. And he said, he held out his hand and he, and he said, tip. And then something happened. And in the end, he ran away. Ah, oh, geez, I took the iPhone home, worked fine. Um, and then it was quite a bit later, like a month later, this girl got out of jail, talked to her. Um, yeah, she had got, got, got caught up in a, in a peepee net. <laughs> you know, she got, got stung. And she was doing drugs. Some kind of, I don't even know what it was. I don't know what they do down there. Don't care. Don't want to know. Um, and she had been in the, in, in the cell all the time while, while my entire interaction was going on with the chief. And I said, did you see what happened when I was in there? And after I left, did you see that? Cause she was just, she was looking straight in there from a distance of 10 feet. And she said, yes, I saw everything. And she said, first of all, when they picked her up and put her in there, the chief made her suck his cock. He said he would go easy on her if she did that. And that's, I, to say it's common would be an understatement. That's almost every time for these girls. Almost every time. Certainly, I mean, if they're attractive. Somewhere around 90%. I, I, if, if they got the opportunity, like there was nobody else in his room, nobody else in that cell, I, that's going to be pushing 100%. So she did that. And she said, okay, now can I go? Can I, you know, what's, what's my reward? He just laughed. Okay, it was only a minute or two after that that I came in. And she said she saw me put down the phone. And then she saw me walk out. And just a minute later, a big, tall female cop came in. And she's talking to the chief about some unrelated thing. And she looks down and sees the iPhone. She looks at the cop, at the chief, looks down, looks at the chief. And the girl said the chief just shrugged. And the female cop smiled. And she picked it up and she looked at, the, at it over. And then smiled some more, put it in her pocket. And there wasn't a word about it. And then she got done with her business with the chief and she walked out. And I said, okay, do you, you know, do you have any idea who, who this guy might have been? And she said, yeah, I, I knew him very well. 
He's a drug dealer. It's the boyfriend of the female cop. So what happened was the female cop, she tried to boot that thing, saw that it was message was stolen. She took it to a shop, uh, trying to crack it. The shop ravaged it, trying to crack it. God knows what they fucking did to it. Um, couldn't crack it because it was an iPhone. If it would have been a Samsung, it would have been gone. Or, or an Android, gone. Samsung, I mean, the iPhone, they couldn't crack. So when she realized it was just uncrackable, she thought, well, let's see, what else can we do? I'll send my boyfriend to make up this cockamamie fucking story and he'll try to get some reward out of returning it. And that's what she did. Um, so that's the end of that story. How many stories you want like that? A million? A million? I got them far worse than that and I'll, I'll tell them as we go through. That's Thailand. That to greater and lesser degrees, that's Southeast Asia, but particularly that's Thailand. That is how it's done in Thailand. Now, this is not a goddamn travel blog, obviously. This is nuts and bolts, hardcore, black and white, rubber meets the road shit to help you understand whether or not you want to even try Thailand or anywhere in Southeast Asia. You're not going to get this off of any silly, fluffy, frilly, goddamn fucking YouTube thing, you know, that's trying to get hits. And Although I see now that my RSS feeder has automatically put some of these on YouTube. But fuck. They'll get taken off YouTube. We'll, we'll find some objectionable content and, and pull them. So don't count on them being on YouTube very long. Uh, I don't know how YouTube has any content left after it jerks everything that it finds objectionable, you know. Uh, anyway, this is, this is hardcore. This is what it is. Southeast Asia and, and Thailand and Cambodia is worse. Vietnam in some ways is worse, worse. And I'll tell you Vietnam stories. Um, okay. So I think, I think that for, for now, for the, for the moment that answers, you know, crime in VKK, police corruption in BKK. And that didn't happen in Bangkok. That, that happened in, in a small town. BKK is worse. Okay. Um, I'll give you another piece of advice here. Oh God, we are times just breezing through. <laughs> uh, if you got to deal with anybody, I, I told you before, if you got a problem with the ties, you don't smile. Just be neutral, be polite. Why am you walk away. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what they're screaming. I don't care what they're accusing you of. They're going to forget you in five minutes. They're going to be on to the next. Choke down whatever pride you got going there because it's not going to fly. It's not going to fly. That's maybe the most important piece of advice I can give anybody going there. Your guest. You know, if, if you're in somebody's house, you got invited to a dinner party. And you're in there and the, and, the, and the host starts getting drunk and he starts insulting you. What are you going to do? You got to fight him there in front of his wife and kids, knock down the dinner table? No. You're going to say, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. We're not interacting well this evening and I'm going to be going now. And you grab your 
coats vests, you can, you get out. That's what you do. That's what you do in Thailand too. If you can't take it, you get out. All of Southeast Asia. Most countries also, but particularly Southeast Asia and particularly Thailand. Um, in any interaction with the police, I don't care if they're saying they just saw you kill five babies. You're going to stay calm. Totally calm. You can be very slightly assertive and say, no, no, sir. I did not kill any babies. You're not going to show any anger. You're not going to raise your voice. You're not going to stare at them. You're not going to move towards them. You're not going to have an imposing body posture. You're just going to say, no, sir, I did not. And they're going to say, okay, you're going to jail. You're going to fucking jail then forever. And say, okay, we'll take it to the court. In Thailand, something like 92 or 94% of all phalangs who are charged with a crime are found guilty. Now, how many of them are guilty? Probably 60, 70, 80%, not 94. If you're a phalang, you're guilty. It's all there is to it. But you're going to stay calm because to show anything except calm is a Well, first of all, it's, it's an affront to them. Even if you're right, you raise your voice, then you're wrong. Um, and that goes with the, the police and the people and government officials and idiots in immigration, and it doesn't matter. If you raise your voice, you have just lost. You just lost everything. You're wrong, period. You're going to be calm and polite. They probably will too. Kind of the weird part. They're, they're not screaming fucking ranting banshees like American police are now. What fools they make of themselves. I, I tell everybody before, go, go watch uh, Audit the Auditors. I'm pretty sure it's a YouTube channel. Audit the Auditors. And you'll see what the state of American police has become. And uh, there's a bunch of channels like that that show that same kind of shit. They'll pull somebody over for, for a running a red light or, or seven over the speed limit, something like that. And within just a very few seconds, they're screaming and bashing the windows out, you know, for no reason. They're just wild animals because that's all they can get now. There are not enough psychologically stable people in America to fill the positions anymore. They're millennials and snowflakes and they're fucking idiotic lunatics. And that's what you got policing you. Well, in Thailand, it's not quite like that. I've seen Thai police do some pretty nice things. Pretty nice things. And we'll, we'll talk about those too. Um, but you're going to be calm. I don't care what's going on. Whether it's the police or just socially, whatever. He who raises his voice loses the point. Period. You raise your voice, you're done. You've lost the argument. You lost the fight. If there was any part of the public standing standing around watching, and they're, maybe they're kind of on your side or they're undecided, you raise your voice. They hate your guts. Then you're wrong. Then you did kill five babies. 
You did. They saw you do it. Oh, God. Okay. Really, that's a huge point. God, that's so huge. Feet positioning in Thailand. Only Thailand. Ties are has this insane little piece of circuitry in their brains that tells them feet are bad. Feet are the lowest point of the body, therefore the, the dirtiest point of the body. So you get your feet anywhere near a tie, they're, they're mortally insulted. You don't point your feet at them. If you're in a doctor's office or some damn place and you want to cr cross your one leg over the other, you better make goddamn sure that foot that's going up is not pointing towards any tie. You know, after a certain distance, it's okay, like five feet is right kind of on the edge. Closer than that, no, 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 no. They're going to be highly offended. I, I was on a bus one time going to Bangkok, and I was in the second row behind the driver. There was a guy in the first row, um, Falang, and he's sitting there, and the driver is directly in front of him. And the driver's way down lower than him. And all of a sudden, the bus came to a screeching stop on the freeway. Pulled over on the freeway. And the driver slams open the door. And he takes that guy by the hand and he leads him off the bus, screaming that he had disrespected him. That the phalang had disrespected the driver. Well, he, he did. He crossed one foot up onto his leg, and that one foot was pointing towards the back of the head of the driver, probably a distance of 18 inches. And the driver saw it, probably in the mirror, I'm not sure, probably in the mirror. And he was incensed, and he went berserk and crazy. He threw the man off on the freeway and closed the door, and we drove on. Feet, feet in Thailand. I see stupid goddamn fillings. Idiotic fools going there all the time. You don't put your feet on a chair. You don't prop your foot up. Oh, God, you put it on a table. Oh, Jesus Christ, they, they fucking kill you. They could kill you. I mean, they literally could kill you. Um, I went to a funeral one time at a big uh, Buddhist temple. I was a flying. Dead guy was flying. And hardly anybody showed up. There was like eight of us. <laughs> Nobody liked and but they went through the thing that the wife or whatever wanted a traditional um, Buddhist ceremony. So she had a bunch of monks. Um, they were lined up along the wall and they had to chant some stuff for a while, for quite a while, like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, long, long, interminable time. And so they lined up there and most of us sat on the floor in front of them at a distance of probably 12 feet. Quite a ways back from where we're on the floor, a bunch of us, like 10 of us on the floor. Um, and so we're facing each other. We're facing the monks. And the monks commenced to um, chanting. And everybody else was sitting yoga style. Well, I can do that for a while, but not for 40 minutes. You know, I'm 118 years old, for Christ's sake. Come on, I can't do it. And so I was, after a while, after 30 minutes, I was starting to get fidgety and I was starting to rearrange my positioning because I just couldn't do it. And they stopped the ceremony. They just stopped. They just stopped the chanting and they're just staring at me. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh, something's wrong. 
And my girlfriend said, do you know why they stopped? And I said, no. How the fuck would I know that? Well, it's because when you were changing positions uh, for a minute, you pointed one foot at them. Really? I wasn't aware of it. I don't remember doing it. I mean, get the security footage. I want to see it. Um, oh, okay then. And I rearranged my body so that, so that they were really, really in back of me this time, you know, like turned halfway around. And, and she nodded to the monks and they started chanting again. Um, feet, feet in Thailand, read up on it, read up on it. <laughs> okay, shoes in Thailand. You're gonna be, don't ever don't take any kind of lace-up shoes to Thailand. Don't do it. Um, you're gonna you're gonna be taking them off like every four minutes. You you can walk around the malls with your shoes on, but that's pretty close to it. Uh, an awful lot of retail shops. You got to leave your shoes outside. Awful lot. Doctors' offices. Um, God, it it over the decades it is it's getting to be less and less of an issue, but it's still pretty big. Still pretty big. Um, it's one reason ties like the flip-flops because they don't even have to reach down to get them off. They just stop, pull a foot out, lead them where they are, go in and shop and come back out, slip them back on. Um, not too many phalanx like flip-flops. I hated them ever since I was a little kid. I couldn't keep them on. I don't know why. <laughs> I'd be walking along with thongs, flip-flops, and then uh, I'd realize Oh, hell, I don't have them anymore. They're like 100 yards back. They came off and I didn't even know. <laughs> so I don't get along with flip-flops, and a lot of guys don't. Uh, at least hush puppies or slip-ons or something like that. No lace-up shit, because you just drive you insane. Don't even take them. Don't even take them. Don't take them. Don't take them. Don't take them. Leave them at home. Sell them. Give them away. You know, any kind of slip-on is fine, because you're going to slip it on and slip it off about if you're out and around going to weird places, you know, 10 times a day, probably you're going to do that. Um, don't raise your eyebrows. eyebrows. E even if you're being calm and polite. Um, and you're having not even an argument. Maybe you're just disagreeing with somebody. Do not raise your eyebrows because that is a sign of aggression. And that puts them into fighting mode. And then they're ready to fight. Raising eyebrows. Pointing your finger. You want to show somebody where something is? Don't. Point. Um, you take your hand and you and you kind of put it up like that. And you say, okay, the, the place I'm talking about. And you, and you don't even do that. It's, it's, over, it's over there. Okay, like that. It's like that. You do that. Huh, okay. Um, you want to tell somebody to, to come here like that? No, 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 no. But Jesus, I did that for years. I was living in Soyuz with a bunch of kids, and I was always buying stupid shit for the kids. Oh, every day I'd buy stupid toys and cheap shit for the kids. And I'd get home, and I'd be happy to, i just excited. I want to give them balloons or some stupid shit to the kids. And I'd see them running around outside, and I'd say, hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. And they'd look at me like... Um, no, we ain't going over there now, fucker. <laughs> and I'm like, what? 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 You don't want the balloons? What the fuck? Sometimes they just never did get the balloons. Okay, 
Finally, I had a girlfriend who was highly critical of everything falling, and she finally explained it. No, this is a sexual innuendo connotation kind of a thing. This is a sex thing. So they think you're a fucking pedophile. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so you wanted to, somebody to come here, you hand down like this. Come, come, come. And they'll trot right over and you're happy to get the balloons. <laughs> okay. You're going to run into a million things like that. And I don't have time or space in these podcasts to uh, to tell them all. <laughs> I got at least some shit for you to learn the hard way. Uh, fighting with ties. Don't do it. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. Because every tie within a half a block is going to come and beat you up. I'll tell you later about some of the scams, particularly the jet ski scam in some of the touristy places on the beach. And I'll tell you a couple of things I witnessed there um, with phalanx arguing with Thais who were trying to steal from them. And they got beat up. One guy got beat into an to a coma. I don't know if he survived or not. Um, you don't fight with Thais. Pretty much. That's a constant through Southeast Asia. You don't fight with any, excuse me, indigenous people. You don't fight, even if they're dead wrong. Um, you don't fight. You get taken. You get stolen from. You get screwed over. You get insulted. You walk away. You walk away. And you get home and you punch the fuck out of your pillow or something, but you don't do it where people can see it and you don't fight. They will kill you, physically kill your body. Uh, road rage in Thailand. Does it exist? Yeah, but it's rare. It's rare. It's rare, really. Um, even between ties. I would say I, I drove uncounted tens and tens and tens of thousands of miles wore out countless motorbikes crossing, crisscrossing Thailand. Um, 95% of any angering problems I had with other drivers was with phalanx. Almost always a Brit, a fat, mouthy, Half drunk, arrogant, smart ass, fucking Brit. That is the strata of Brits that end up there. And that sure as hell doesn't describe all British people. Not even. It's a tiny, tiny percentage of British people. But that's what gets attracted to Thailand like a magnet in the, in the British population. Almost every bad interaction I ever had with a driver was with a, was certainly with a phalanx. Almost always with a Brit. Almost always. The the ties, if they really fuck you over in traffic, usually they'll, they'll give you one of these, and a little Y. If they're really being nice, they'll give you a little Y. Not always, but I never got flipped off. Not one time. Never, not one time. In Thailand, from another driver, except... A phalanx, usually a Brit. And they'll scream, you know, 
oh, I'm going to kill you, you motherfucker. I was sitting in a, in a intersection one day. I couldn't go forward. I was just sitting there. I couldn't go forward. I couldn't go left. I couldn't go right. I couldn't back up. There was tight traffic. I was just sitting there. And this rip motherfucking fat slob piece of fucking shit job of the hut cocksucker sitting there in a, in a cargo van. And he's, he's like uh, off to my left side and he, he wants to go through the intersection while he can't. Because there's, you know, there's like four lanes each direction. They're all full of traffic. There's no way he's going to go through. He's got to wait for things to become uncongested. But he thought somehow he could get me to move and then he could advance three more feet. And, and then what? Wait for all the other 50 cars, I guess. I don't know what he thought. And I couldn't go. I couldn't go. And he's just laying on that horn, laying on that horn, laying on that horn. Uh, ties don't honk hardly at all. Phalangs honk and Brits. I mean, they should have one surgically implanted up their fucking ass. It's just on all the time. And they can just walk around continuously honking because that's what they do. Uh, I, I had no thoughts about Ritz when I went there. And now I, they're pretty close to what I think of Russians. Oh, lots more stories to come. Um, anyway, he decided he wasn't going to wait anymore. And he hit me. He just... Bit off the brake, stepped on the gas, and hit me. Almost knocked me down, not quite. Had a girlfriend on the back. And he just sat there staring at me, honking. I thought, no. If it would have been a tie, I would have given him a hard look and then ignored it. That's a fucking Brit. Um, so I put the motorbike up on the stand, got off. Walked around to his window. Of course, he's on the right-hand side, you know, because they drive like that. And uh, he rolled it down, and he's just screaming, just spittle flying out of his mouth. I'll kill you, you motherfucker. I'll rip your fucking head off. And I started to open the door, and he hit the lock. Uh, and I reached in for him. I just—I don't care if I get deported at this point. I'm just going to—I'm just going to fuck him up. Just fuck him up. That the arrogance was too much for anybody to tolerate. And he, he fell over onto the seat and starts trying to kick at me through the window. And he, he's, he's 70 and he's 300 pounds. What's he think he's going to do? I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Now's your chance. Motherfucker. Now's your fucking chance. Just do it. I want to see what you got. Just do it now. Get out of the car. Just do it now. Because nobody's going to move anywhere. We're just going to stand here and do this for as long as you want to do it. And he rolled up the window and then got off the horn. And after a while, the traffic changed and we rode away and he went somewhere. I don't know. He probably went home and beat his wife or some fucking thing. I don't know. Uh, so road rage is there, but not too much with the ties. Um, the ties will do crazy goddamn dangerous, life-threatening shit every second. Every second. Um, but they don't rage about it hardly ever. Um, phalanx. Phalanx are the problem in Southeast Asia, okay? Lots and lots of people leave Southeast Asia because of the phalanx. They can't take them anymore. They're a toxic fucking poison to Southeast Asia. 90%. 90% of them are. And I'll tell you lots more stories about that.
tell you what we've, what we've got. Only a few minutes. Filipino bar. Mostly Filipinos. Nice quiet bar. A little bit of pool going on. There were a phalang or two in there. And probably 15 Filipinos. Little Filipino guy sitting in a booth with his pretty wife. Just quietly talking. Falang comes. He's been playing pool. Falang comes. And starts hitting on the wife. Really just obnoxiously, crudely, suggestively hitting on the wife. Come on, baby, let's go. I got more money than this little fuck. Come on, I'll fuck your brains out right now. Okay. It's a traditional Filipino couple. And the Filipino guy, for whatever reason, wouldn't stand up. There are plenty of Filipinos in there. Most of them didn't hear this. He could have gotten all their support, but he didn't. He's just like, oh, God. He's got his head down, and he's just waiting, hoping the guy will go away. Didn't want trouble. Just didn't want trouble. And the girl ignores him. And finally, this big, fat Brit Falang uh, walks over and gets his beer, and they're thinking, okay, that's over. He's gone. And he walks back and pours it over the, the girl's head. How are you going to react to that? I know what I'm going to do. The Filipino couple did nothing. They just sat there. He went back to playing pool. Pretty soon they left. I wasn't in that bar at that exact moment. People told me. I'd be in prison. He'd be dead. And I'd be happy. I'd feel as though I did a good thing for society. And for the Filipino people. I wish they would stand up for themselves more than they do. Okay. So this was lots of tidbits all the way through this and we're done. I don't have any more time. <laughs> so this is number nine. All tapes are copyright 2023 by stockphotosworldwide.com. You can go there. Or now they're on the RSS. God, I resisted that. I didn't want to, but some of them made it onto the RSS feeds. Oh, fuck me. I don't like the RSS. And the RSS automatically put some of them onto YouTube, but they won't stay long because YouTube will find some objection and, and kill them. So, Because <laughs> they kill, I don't know how much of their content they kill because they don't like some word or phrase. Like the poor lady on Facebook made a comment to her friend, all men are ugly. And uh, Facebook banned her. Google it. Um, and now YouTube has gone the same way. It's a little power trip for them. That's all, that's all I got going. It's just a power trip. It's, it's a little fucking snowflakes and millennials. And they never had any power their entire lives. They got beat up on the playground every goddamn day. And now they're getting their revenge. They think they are. And they're just looking like fools and, and hurting an economy. Yeah, it's really smart. Really smart people. Okay, we're done. Lots more good stuff in number 10. This, these are going to go probably 20 or more. Could go as much as 30 episodes. I'm not sure. Oh, I got to quit. Okay, thank you very much. And good evening and good night.